Welcome to Technado. Welcome back to Technado. I'm your host, Sophie Goodwin, here as always, joined by Don and Dan. I'm looking forward to getting into the articles this week. I know usually we start with like tech news and we have some different categories, like we'll talk about Linux and cloud and stuff. And we have like some hardware news we're going to talk about specifically, sure. which I always find interesting because it's something that I'm looking to maybe learn a little bit more about. I'm not real familiar with computer hardware on an intimate level. So I'm looking forward to jumping into this stuff today. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, you know, I, I almost derailed this week's episode because RSA is going on mm. and there have been some neat announcements coming out of RSA, but I I decided to hold it. We'll do an RSA episode next week. Uh, you know, the, the world of, of IT security is being taken over by AI and other marketing BS. So, uh, so we'll talk about that next week. But for this week... You've been there, I can tell. I have. <laughs> uh, but for this week, we do have our standard lineup of tech news. we got some Linux, some, uh, some Google stuff going on, and a lot of security all coming up. Okay. It makes sense that we talk about RSA next week, I guess. Wait for the conference to wrap up. And then maybe we can do like a little a recap or yeah. something. Mm. I don't know. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, bring old Wes in here because I think Wes got Wes is he, there. He's yeah. out there. He's having a good time with that right now. I bet he is. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I guarantee he's enjoying every, every moment at the RSA. And that, what is it? The uh, Moscone? What's the name of the? Uh, is it is that the Moscone Center? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that's where they do it at. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. We'll have him on. See what he uh, learned. Maybe some new products or cool things that he saw. Yeah, that's true. He learned that San Francisco smells bad. He, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, I went there. Someone, uh, you know, they relieved themselves. I don't mean number one. <laughs> right on the old doorstep there. That was, uh, that was fun. Yeah. And then I paid four and a half dollars for a Coke. Yeah. That was this big. That's San wow. Francisco. And I said, why are we here? <laughs> Can't we move this? Technology hub of the world. Oh, that's right. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, huh. it's weird. Podcast is like a box oh, of chocolates. It really is. <laughs> I never know what I'm going to get when I walk in here, but I'm not complaining. No. So let's let's pivot away. You don't from even want to know what I saw in the alley. I, I, I don't. I don't. You're absolutely Titus was right. There, he can confirm. He's laughing right now. You can't hear him, but he is. I absolutely. You're right. I do not want to know. But thank. But thank you for that piece of trivia. I appreciate it. <laughs> Let's let's go ahead. If you don't mind, let's go ahead and jump into this first article. Uh, this comes to us from Tom's Hardware. It says users report Ryzen 7000 X3D chips burning out. So uh, I guess when like an old CPU and an old PC burns out, that's not really a big surprise that happens. But the weird thing here is these chips are like brand new and already burning out for some users, right? That's right. You know, and and some people like to push their computers to extremes. Uh, there used to be a group called Cryotech where they would they would take liquid nitrogen and super cool their processors and see how far they could overclock them. But just about every motherboard out on the market today has some kind of overclocking feature that's built into it, right? OEM, right? Mm -hmm. Right from the original manufacturer. And so it's just kind of become a standard thing. Now, most people, like for me, I, I overclock some processors back in my day. Nowadays, I don't bother. It's just not worth the effort. You know, you get some instability and temperature concerns. Uh, I don't know. Daniel, do you ever get into overclocking? Uh, yeah, like back in the day when it became like a thing where, hey, let's put some plumber's putty around this thing and fill it full of liquid oxygen or nitrogen or whatever yeah. we got. And then, you know, crank the wick up on it and see what it'll do. And that's kind of interesting in a, in a I don't know, as in a young person's mind that, that does seem to be a bit more of their speed. Yeah. And as you get older, you're like... I just wanted to compute things, so I'm not cracking the case off of this and doing all this business. I need it to work tomorrow. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that would be super helpful, seeing as I spent a bunch of money on this. Yeah, so you know, a, a process of burning up in and of itself isn't news, but what is news here is that these aren't people pushing the processors to extremes. They're using functionality built into the BIOS of the computer to overclock within the limits of, of what the manufacturer is allowing. And it's leading to actual damage. You're getting warped pads on the socket. So the motherboard is dead. The CPU is dead. Pretty significant stuff. And they've got pictures. This is on Tom's Hardware where they have some pictures. Uh, I think I saw some over on Ars Technica and a few other sites. This one's going the rounds. Uh, but there have been multiple users that have reported this. And it seems like the default settings that are available inside some motherboard BIOS are allowing you to overclock these Ryzen processors a little too far. Mm -hmm. And so we've already seen Asus and MSI release rush jobs too, to get new firmware out that removes some of the functionality. And they've been taking the old firmware offline to stop people from running it. But just know that if you overclock your processor, you can't count on the manufacturer to protect you, that you are taking a risk and you can damage your system. Now, Don, in AMD's defense, in the firmware, the setting is referred to as, quote, shake and bake. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, I feel like you're getting what you asked for. <laughs> what were the shrinky dinks? That's what I think. Shrinky dinks. Shrinky dinks. You know, it's like yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. one size and you heat it up and it shrinks. Yeah. You know, maybe that's what's going on here. Thanks. But a uh, little, little bit different. But yeah, there's some pictures that show this, that, like the damage on there is really obvious. Nice. Uh, it's pretty significant. Uh, the person who, who actually recently d- discovered this posted it on Reddit and sold the processor and motherboard to a YouTuber. So like, you know, they're going on the marketing angle. That's why it's hit so many news sites. But there have been multiple users reporting this, and it does just affect people overclocking. So if you have one of these Ryzen processors, you're not necessarily at risk unless you're overclocking. You know, it'd be nice if one day that the technology that you're trying to run with your processor would stop pacing or outpacing the actual processor itself. I get frustrated with that. Right? That is a little annoying, right? So if I've got a game, my processor should be able to handle that thing pretty well. And then as new processors come out, the game should, you know what I mean? I know they're taking advantage of 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 the extra horsepower, but then it becomes this cat and mouse game that we never end. Yeah, if you take a look at like you know, Windows Seven came with what like Internet Explorer six or something like that. that. So if you install Windows Seven, yeah, and uh, on a on a computer from that time, and you launch Internet Explorer, it takes a certain amount of time to launch. And if you take Windows Eleven on a computer from today's time, it seems like Internet Explorer takes about or Microsoft Edge takes about the same amount of time to launch. But if I were to install Windows Seven on today's hardware, it would launch crazy fast. Yeah. So yeah, it's like every bit of performance gain we get in hardware, the software is eating up. Why do they do that? Uh, Especially with operating systems. Like yeah. the only performance thing I should be getting out of that, like what what insane processing power do I need to run Windows? Why do I need that processing power to run Windows operating system? So my only guess on this is, I, I guess it's kind of one of two things: it's either just pure laziness, yeah, right, because the longer you support a code base, the bigger it's going to get, the more bloated it's going to get, or it's just because they, when they see that extra hardware uh, resource availability, right, more CPU, more yeah. RAM, they're like, okay, well, what crappy features can we come up with to eat this up? Right. Oh, we need AI here. Right. I got to <laughs> sell a product, man. It's yeah. got to have the latest and greatest thing, right? Yep. We, we need a, a video editor that launches when your computer starts up. You, you might edit a video once a month, but we're going to eat up these resources all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. It's a little it, annoying. It's yeah. It sounds like it's a little annoying. I, I'm getting annoyed on your behalf just listening to you talk about it. So At our behest? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, yes. Sure. Both of those things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I thought this was interesting just because, I, I, like I said, I'm not, I don't really mess with hardware a whole lot. It, I'm, if a computer works, it works. And I'm generally yeah. not one to go in and start messing with stuff. So I guess the fact that, like, if, you, if you're changing it and trying to mess with it and make it, you know, like, I don't know, what was the word you used? Um, overclocking? Overclocking, yeah. yeah. Then it makes sense that maybe things would start to go wrong. But if this is literally just out of the box, that's concerning. Yeah. So, you know, we'll go back in time here because I remember I bought a processor, and, and this would have been like 1990. Six or something. This was forever ago. Um, it, it was, was the a, first processor. It was a Celeron 200, <laughs> okay. uh, 200 megahertz processor. And, and so now we measure processors oh, yeah. in gigahertz. Yeah. This is a while ago. But you could overclock this thing, some of them, to 300 megahertz. Hmm. That's a pretty big gain. That's a big jump. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's a 50% little... gain on it. And, and it was worth it to do it. it but it'd get a little unstable. So if you backed off of it to 266, yeah, it would run pretty stable. And, and it was like getting an expensive processor for cheap. So there, there was a reason to do it. You fast forward to today, when your processor is running at like 4.7 gigahertz, bumping it to 4.8 or 4.9 is not really that big of a mm. benefit. And you know, you, there are people who are overclocking their buses so they can access memory faster, overclocking their GPUs. And to me, the performance gain just isn't there. It's, it's just I'm not assuming that is all for gaming and probably some crypto mining. I, I would say crypto mining is more more apt to oh, be. Oh, really? Yeah, because most Listen, I watch games, a lot of gaming stuff, and these people that are building these gaming rigs, they're like, they're trying to squeeze every FPS out of these dang things and every resolution that they possibly yeah. can. They want like ultra realistic no stutter gameplay yeah and and for overclocking a gpu that makes sense because yeah. that's where a lot of the work is done now for games but here we're talking about a ryzen this is the general purpose cpu so you know this is either just people experimenting or i i would say you know bitcoin mining is probably yeah. a, a number one um maybe if you're doing uh video encoding well even that would yeah. use the gpu yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just talking about overclocking mm. in general yeah yeah, yeah. Because you can overclock just about anything. When you brought up Bitcoin mining, I thought you were kidding. So 
interesting. Yeah. That's actually yeah. a legitimate, like, yeah, no, that's probably is the reason. So. Well, as legitimate as Bitcoin is. Yeah. <laughs> Don's guess, favorite coin is yeah. Bitcoin. Poor, poor choice of words on my part. <laughs> so that's, that's, I mean, I, I always like learning new stuff about that kind of a thing. Um, but moving on from, from hardware, I guess, more into the other side of things. Uh, we have some news out of Linux. It says, uh, Canonical unveils Ubuntu 2304 Lunar Lobster, a Linux distro for work and play. This is from ZDNet. So it sounds like this is their bid to be like the go-to for your work desktop and your home setup. And it, I think it specifically mentions that there's an expanded focus on gaming. So it kind of goes into what we were just talking about. Yeah. You know, so Ubuntu is on a two-year release cycle. Uh, they Actually, they, they release a new version every six months, hmm. right? But every two years, they release a long-term support or an LTS version. And so the, the latest LTS version is 22.04. So it came out last April. And here we are, in well, it's the end of April, uh, practically May in 2024 or 2023, if I can remember what year it is. So we're in an off year. The sweater's getting you. Isn't it, it is. Yeah, <laughs> to up. So and we're in an off year. So this is not a long-term support release. This is one of the short ones where they get to experiment with new features. Normally, the stuff that we see in their their non-LTS versions will eventually make it into the next LTS version. So that would be 24.04 next April, but there's a really cool feature available in 23.04 that I wanted to highlight that's so important, they're going to be backporting it to 22.04. So it, you know they're, they're going forward and backwards on mm. this one. And that is integration with Azure AD. So you've been able to configure an Ubuntu box to authenticate against a Windows Active Directory server for quite some time, but it's always been an on-prem Active Directory domain controller. Now... You can synchronize it with Azure AD, which works for Microsoft 365 environments and people that are entirely online. That's been a gap that uh, really most Linux distros have had. You've been able to like cobble it together one way or another, but it's barely worked. Well, with Ubuntu, they're testing it now in 23.04, but they're going to put it into the LTS versions, into 22.04 and the upcoming 24.04, and it'll be a commercially supported product at that point. So, you know, you'll be able to sit down on an Ubuntu machine and authenticate with your online Microsoft credentials. That will be a big gateway into businesses and, 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 and enterprise. Oh, this is it, Don. We have finally reached that, that crucible, right, where Linux will actually overtake Windows as the desktop operating system <laughs> choice. Now that it can integrate with Active Directory or Azure Active Directory. This is this is the thing we've been waiting for. Well, I don't know that it gets us all the way there, right? Don't so. crush my <laughs> dreams, Don. <laughs> so you know, it in today's world where the majority of our apps are web apps, stupid oh. and stupid. Yes, both. I mean, that was a given. Uh, but they're web apps. Yeah, I mean, you could be on a Linux box, a Mac, Windows doesn't matter, yeah. right? You just need your web browser. That's it. And there's Edge that'll run on Linux and Chrome that'll run on Linux and on all the other browsers, Firefox, Brave, whatever, they all run on Linux. So you could grab a Linux desktop. You Now you can use it in a work environment that uses Microsoft authentication. So that kind of takes me back to our previous conversation is many Linux distributions are far less resource intensive than your Windows Absolutely. systems. So you start marrying the idea. Actually, I mean, I'm making a joke about, you know, this is, this is the thing that pushes Linux over the edge. It becomes, you know, the desktop operating system. But it actually might, might cut into it a little bit because when people find, oh, you mean I get better performance out of my hardware when I run Linux over Windows? And now I can do just about everything I could do before and just about as easily as I could before. Don't get me wrong. If you get too deep down the rabbit hole, Linux, yeah, there's always some little yeah. caveats to, you know, if, if yes, a Ferrari is nice. But when it breaks, it's a Ferrari that's broken, not a Ford. <laughs> and you're going to have some trouble. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of gaps that Linux has that they haven't been able to overcome. So wireless drivers are not mm. perfect in Linux. Video graphic drivers are horrible. Been, uh, oh, of their existence. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just terrible. So if you're looking for gaming or 3D performance, you've got these flaky drivers behind the scene that are that are sabotaging you the whole time. But for general users, I mean, you just have to look at a Chromebook to see yep. Linux can work just fine. Um, we'll see. I think the the big deciding factor on this is going to be the Microsoft desktop applications. Right. Mm. There are things you can do in desktop Excel and in desktop PowerPoint that you can't do in the web based versions. Yeah. And so until there's uh, an equilibrium there, then it's it, it's still going to keep Linux away from the regular user desktop. Well, maybe in the next article. Yeah. <laughs> next week. <laughs> next week. 
I'm curious. Microsoft I, apps. I don't know if if either of you guys have an answer to this, or if there is an answer. Is there a reason that they gave it the nickname Lunar Lobster? Does that have like a deeper meaning? Or they yeah, just, because they give them stupid names. They just yeah. thought it was all the time. Fun. Okay. They, I want to add roll to the end of that. <laughs> the Lunar Lobster roll. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. So good, it's uh, out of this world. Exactly. So they they just make it where the first letters it's alliteration. Uh, so it'll always be something like by um, Stefan. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Okay. I didn't know what if it was, was the, like. What was the greasy? Was it gorilla something gorilla? Uh, was it gorilla? I forget. They always have stupid names. Ape something. They, they always have stupid names. Yeah, yes. Great ape. Gorilla good. <laughs> I didn't know if um if maybe there was like a, well, you know, it's because we released this update in when the moon was in Leo and oh, the sun uh, was no. Like, I didn't know if it had anything to do with I mean, with that might be the case, but. Who knows? They just like. If anybody would know, I figured you guys might know. So I was just curious. That was just a, you know, just a curious question. But, I mean, as far as everything else goes, the actual important stuff about that article that have nothing to do with the name. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like this is, like I said, I, I'm not extremely uh, well-versed in Linux. It's not, I don't use it, right? I use mm. Windows. So, interesting to hear you talk about, like, oh, this could be what pushes it over the edge. And, like, I thought you were kidding. And kind of sounds kinda like was. you're halfway kidding. But yeah. then you were kind of like, well, I <laughs> always like to poke there. the bear with Don on this. This whole <laughs> episode is, is let's troll Sophie. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. What's the difference between this week's episode and last week's episode? <laughs> They're all like that. It's all the same. The Trollnado is what this is going to be. <laughs> It's because I didn't watch an 80s action movie this week. That's, That's right. why. Yeah. This is my payback. This is your punishment. Yes. That'll well, teach you. I'm curious to see how you troll me with this next one. Uh, curious to see what <laughs> 80s movies you're going to... Yeah, let's we'll see what references I can throw in there. Yeah. So this one comes from The Verge. It says, Google Authenticator finally, mercifully, adds account syncing for two-factor codes. So I guess I didn't realize... Uh, before this change, if you lost your device, you also lost your ability <laughs> to sign in to any service that used Google Authenticator, and you were basically screwed. Yeah, so let, let's not make any bones about it. Um, up until just recently, Google Authenticator basically sucks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not very good. Uh, I remember, and, and we'll have to go back in time again here, probably just five or six years now, not that far back, uh, when MFA was really starting to ramp up, and so Authenticator apps were were coming on the scene, and Google Authenticator was the reliable one from a big vendor that you knew and trusted. I'm doing air quotes because yeah. it's Google, but. I jumped on that bandwagon uh, for my, my Google account. And I was like, oh, right, yeah, let me add this in. Um, I forget what phone I had at the time. I think it was like a Galaxy S8. So that should set the timing yeah. right on this. So whatever year the Galaxy S8 came out is, is when, when this happened to me. Um, so I had the Google Authenticator and I had my code set up. And I just assumed that it was like synced up to my Google account or whatever. And then I got a, uh, a Nexus phone. I don't remember which version of the Nexus that I got because I went through several. Um, and when I reinstalled the Google Authenticator app, I was surprised to find none of my codes were there. And I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe it's because I've got it installed on the other phone and yeah. I uninstalled it on the other phone like an idiot. Uh-oh. Uh, and then that was it. I, I'd lost my Authenticator codes. That they, they were just tied to that one phone and there was literally no way to migrate the codes from one phone to another. And so I had to go through account recovery to, to get that back. Now, fast forward to today, I have over 60 different accounts with MFA authentication codes right now. Like, that would be a nightmare. Well, I left Google Authenticator years and years ago and switched to Authy, right? Mm. Until Authy got acquired by Twilio. I don't trust Twilio, so that's when I ended up jumping over to the Microsoft Authenticator. Uh, and I'm, I'm more recently moving them into Bitwarden. Yeah. So I've, I've moved these several times now. Um, but... Most vendors make it where you can easily transfer those codes from one phone or one device to another. Google only just now has started offering that, which in my opinion is ridiculous. It took them this long. It tells you how much they respect you. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> they care about your wants and needs done, the things that would make you a, a valued and loyal customer to their base. All I see is big double birds at me from yeah. Google. <laughs> like, we're going to ensure your loyalty yes. by chaining you to this radiator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty soon you'll be Stockholmed. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll get there. You, I mean, the Apple people are over there going, uh-huh, yep. <laughs> now, early on, Daniel, um, the, the, the folks over at Google, the engineers behind this said, well, hey, this is supposed to be a factor, like a physical factor of authentication. You have to have your phone. If we let you replicate it to another device, that that ruins the whole thing, and it's not secure anymore and whatever. But now everybody does it. So, so apparently that wasn't a problem, well, as I thought. You're a security guy. Yeah. Do, what do you think? Is there If I have my multi-factor codes synchronized on my phone and my iPad, let's just say two devices, Okay. is that really an increased security risk? 
you know, I don't know. I, do, I, I can't think of, I mean, so both of the devices have their own different levels of security. Yeah. Right? So if, you, you know, it's, it's going to come down to the weakest link in that chain. So if your phone is insecure, it didn't matter if it was on your laptop. And if it was on your laptop, it doesn't matter if it was on your phone. So it doesn't seem like it. Um, what, what would frighten me is if someone were to gain access to doing something like, I don't know, maybe like a SIM swap where I could, I could clone your phone and then act as you to install the thing, the, uh, the application, the, the authentication app, and then migrate. That would be what would be scary, but you probably need those MFA codes to do that anyway. Yeah. So... I'm just off the surface, off the top of my head. I don't see anything that would blatantly, bl- glaringly cause a bigger problem. So, all right, let me go. I'm going to go a step further. Okay. Because um, Bitwarden, LastPass, and OnePassword. I know. I know these three do it. I don't know about any others, okay. but the, these three do it. They have where you can actually store your your one-time authentication codes in the password manager. Okay. So now you go to a website and it autofills username, password. Oh and yeah, yeah. I've seen code, that. It fills yeah, yeah. That it's in, it's right? tired of filling out. Yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. a new thing. Yeah. And so it does it too. Now, is that putting all your eggs in one basket? Absolutely. So does that totally negate the benefit of MFA? No. No. Okay. Yeah. So your, your eggs are in one basket, but the, so it's it's like single sign-on, right? We love single sign-on. Single sign-on is great. If someone compromises your single sign-on, you are screwed <laughs> right that's just how that works i like how you went through a few iterations what word am i going to say next here uh, it's I, just I that's see the, the gears thing. turning the same thing if you have a password manager and it gets compromised welcome to oh no world that's just how this works we have this level of convenience with these things do a good job of security of protecting that because it is keys to the castle. You know, I've thought about this, and Sophie, I don't know if you've thought about it or not, but let's say, uh, so like for my my personal stuff, I use one password. So I do. Okay. Each yeah. episode, I'm going to give out one little fact yeah, yeah, about yeah, my yeah. life, and if you watch all the episodes, so my mom, those, who was born a you yeah. know, Simpson, <laughs> you'll be able to socially engineer me. But uh, I use one password, and I thought about it, like, what would I do if somebody got access to my one password? So they got yeah. access to all What'd of my personal stuff. And I came up with a game plan. Let's hear it. Uh, I have a go bag, <laughs> as, as, as everyone should. And I'll go live in the woods. Because that, that's a good idea. That's my plan. That's a good plan. It's a good plan. I like your plan. It's well thought out. That's so right. you're like ready to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, what'd you do? <laughs> I hope you did. Because this is what you do. Like, you see people <laughs> that get like their stuff compromised and it is a living nightmare mm-hmm. to do any kind of walking it back. I just yeah, told yeah. my wife the other day, I was like, I, I'm going to get a new phone with a new phone number. And I, I want I like to switch phone numbers probably every two years. Yeah. Because that idea. stuff starts getting like connected with you a little too deep. Oh yeah. yeah. It occurred to me earlier how like freely we like give that stuff out now. Like mm-hmm. I was at the store buying something and you know, I have like a rewards account or whatever. And the person was like, phone number, and I'm like giving them my phone number and I'm realizing like, well, there's nobody here but me and the cashier. But if there were It'd be really easy for them to just be like, this is her phone number. And like, I just didn't even think about it yeah. where I was like, yeah, here's my phone number because it was just so, it's just so normal now yeah. to do that. You know, it's funny you mentioned it. I, CVS, mm-hmm. I have a CVS rewards card. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember how I got it. Some, somehow I got the CVS reward card. And One day they handed it to you and said, I, there you go. And every time I go and shop, they're like, do you have a card? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. You don't even and, have to have it. And we scan it. Yeah. They just go, what's your phone number? Exactly. But I was thinking about it the other day. I've had this for years and years, right? A, a yeah. long time. I've, I've never gotten a discount or a coupon. Or you are. Uh, you get them when you uh, check out. Is that it? They're applied, yeah. Oh, because I started wondering, like, am I supposed to get a reward? Because yeah. they've never... They're just I, harvesting your information. Yeah, yeah. What that's you buy. basically yeah. what's happening. I'm doing it for free. It's rewards for <laughs> them. What does he buy? <laughs> when does he buy it? Yeah, I'm when, a big sucker. Yeah, <laughs> they told you it was a rewards card. They didn't yeah. say who was getting the that's reward. Right. So technically... That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, no. as far as this goes, it, it does say they confirmed this is optional. So, like you guys were talking about some of the concerns that come with this cloud syncing stuff. It's not optional. You're a fool it, if you don't turn it on. <laughs> so, if you are worried at all about, like, you know, it making you more of a tempting target, I guess, to have all your stuff synced up, you you don't have to use it. You can turn that option off or not, yeah. I guess, not turn it on. But, like you said, why wouldn't you, I guess? Yeah. I wonder if maybe, maybe you could turn it, like, you know you're getting a new phone, and so you turn it on just to do the transfer to the new phone and then turn it off. Right. I don't know. I don't There's know. probably some use case here. 
I'm sure there's arguments to be made for every case. You yeah. know, somebody asked me about, you know, hey, how, how would you do this and how would you do that? And some security-related question that has been long plaguing us mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a people. And I go, you know, if I, could, if I knew the answer to that, I would be a billionaire <laughs> with a capital B and a capital Illion and capital Air. Right. But that ain't happening. Sometimes I forget you don't know everything. Because, yeah. like, like, how to spell billion. All the stuff yeah. I'm learning is, like, <laughs> is mostly from you. So I'll, like, come up with a question and be like, oh, what about this? What do you, th- you know, what's the answer to this? Or give me this information or whatever. Yeah. And s- most of the time you're like, yeah, this, here, here's the information you want. And sometimes you're like, yeah, I don't know. And I'm yeah. like, what do you mean you don't know? Yeah. This is, I'm learning everything from you. And, like, I have to, like, remind myself. I'm not perfect, okay? <laughs> 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 and also, I have Google. I have to remind myself I could just yeah, look up chat GPT yeah. now. And I'm I'm a dinosaur at this point. <laughs> I don't quite I don't quite trust that. I asked Chat GPT like, tell me about Don Pazette, and it told me he wrote like 30 books. And so yeah, I don't yeah. trust Chat BT Chat GPT anymore. As much well, as I, I don't to, trust Chat BT either. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's been a long day. All right, <laughs> I, I clearly need to take a second and yeah. reset my brain. So we'll go ahead and take a break. That's going to wrap up our tech news segment of our show. But don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment with some security news. So stay tuned for more Technado. We are here for the first day with Power School, and we are very excited to see all of you guys over here. Uh, I watched Technado for a very long time already. I haven't been watching for the very first episode, but I recently saw the 301, and I absolutely love Don Pazette and Daniel Rowley and all the security insights that you guys have for us every week. And uh, it's just fun. I mean, we love that you guys provide an excellent education with an element of, uh, of humor, of of interesting news without all this boring stuff that all the other maybe competitors are doing. So I'm very happy to go back and and I'm excited to go even further for the bigger membership and dive right into all the important news. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really love, I enjoy it extremely. I love Sophie. Sophie, you're amazing. I love you. I hope that I met you here <laughs> and all of the others, but uh, still all the other team are fantastic people and I really recommend everybody else to just uh, get to know IT Pro TV. They're awesome. Welcome back to Technado. Now that we've wrapped up the tech news segment uh, of the show, we're going to go ahead and jump into some security news. And we're going to start off strong with uh, some more news about password managers. And if you watch this show regularly or listen regularly, you know that this is not a new topic to this show. But this article comes from Slashdot. It says, Proton launches an end-to-end encrypted password manager. So it's called Proton Pass. Uh, and this is the Proton is the company behind Proton Mail, mm-hmm. which I'm not familiar with, uh, at least not extremely familiar with. So new password manager. I'm a little gun-shy about password managers now. I'm curious what your opinion is or what your take is on this. Yeah, you know, this one's interesting. Proton Mail, they, they've been around a while, and, and they have specialized in creating end-to-end encrypted mail and it doesn't have to be end-to-end. At a minimum, they want to guarantee that your session is encrypted, and so they provide a lot of protection there. Um, as far as we know, they have really been able to resist government influence up until now, and, and they provide a reliable service. I know a number of people that that trust them. Um, I don't. I, I have some challenges with Proton Mail because there's there's a lot of stuff hidden behind the scenes that they don't disclose, and it's kind of like. Do you guys remember TrueCrypt? Yes. So TrueCrypt, you could encrypt your hard drive, and it provided a high-level encryption, but we didn't know who wrote it because it was done in secret. They were worried about being uh, like governments targeting them or whatever, so they never said it. So here was this encryption software, and you could see the source code, but you just kind of had to trust it, and you had no idea who really made it. With ProtonMail, we know a little bit more. but there's, Is there's, Proton an open source uh, software? I don't know if they, because it's, it it's all server driven, so I'm not sure. But either way, they have really been operating in this space of trustworthy service for quite some time, and a lot of people do uh, trust them. So they've launched a password manager, and I think it's it's good to see more competition in this space. Obviously, we saw that we couldn't trust LastPass. They completely botched what <laughs> they did. Um, we have heard complaints against 1Password. Uh, Bitwarden's got a pretty decent track record right now, but they've got some challenges, too. I don't know if Proton Mail or the guys at Proton are, are going to be able to do a better job or a worse job. We'll have to wait and see. Right now, Proton Pass is being held just to their, um, I, I think they have like a, a paid beta group or whatever that they're letting use it. But in time, this is going to be a free password manager that's released out there to the wild. And the, the question I wanted to ask here was, you know, 
Daniel, Sophie, for you guys, when a new password manager comes out, like how long do you wait or, or what does it take to make it where you'd be willing to trust a new password manager? Well, I mean, if, if, it, if you're talking about ProtonMail, right, because it's not like they're new to the game. Like they're, they're a well-known entity. By the way, they are open source. Okay. So you can look at the code and it's not a black box of, of you know, witchcraft and voodoo that you don't know what's going on. You can uh, figure it out if you have the wherewithal. So it's there. And that's nice. Um, so they, they have like a trust track record, I guess. That would be different than Bob's... You know, an encrypted app. Yeah, it'll be great. You'll love it. It's password manager for you and enjoy. I don't know, Bob. I've never heard of Bob. You know, so that might be a while. I would have to. I I like seeing some some uh, longevity and some respect from the community for a little while before. I don't know how long that little while is. Maybe that's more of a feeling than it is a. Or maybe I become, you know, like with LastPass. All of a sudden, I was a little disenfranchised with them, and Bitwarden <laughs> became imagine. the way to fly. Yeah, you know. So, so you need them to have like a, a decent reputation first, yeah. Before you'll, especially you'll when it comes to encrypted stuff. Um, I, Don mentioned that they've stayed out of government's purview for some, you know, some time. I think they have kind of. Yeah, there's been a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. Don't fact check me where on the that. FBI dragged them down. I'll yeah, where where they they were subpoenaed and they gave over X, Y, or Z records through whatever reasoning. Um, but like you say, for the most part, I think they're they're pretty solid company. I I used to use this company called C Templar, which their their whole shtick was, we do not give up information to anyone for any reason for anything. Nor could we if we wanted to because. We don't have the access to any of your stuff. It's all encrypted by you, from you, but it's, it's done that way. Uh, and they talked about the five eyes and the 14 eyes and the so on and so forth, different eyes. This is, I see uh, Sophia's eyes. Are, Biblically accurate angels is yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So uh, five eyes are the different uh, countries that have agreed to. So in the United States, they're not allowed to spy on you as a U.S. citizen. Right. It's against the law. Right, we have laws against this. There's no law, well, none that we could really enforce against the UK from spying on you and then going, right. oh, I accidentally leaked that, and now you have it, US. So that is the that's the kind yeah. of concern in behind, mm. behind the Five Eyes uh, countries. So uh, that's why I like to see Templar. They have since, from lack of interest from people, they went out of business. Uh, so Proton Mail is kind of the king of the hill when it comes to these encrypted mm. end end email systems and now they've got a password manager so they have a little trust for me i do use proton mail uh, i found it to be uh, fine it works great yeah. apps are great it's open source so cool for me so they uh they are based in switzerland yeah uh it's a swiss company and then that means you know neutrality uh, yep. allegedly uh they have indeed given over information to certain governments uh the french police in one scenario uh and they had to update their terms of service to reflect that if you are breaking Swiss law, ProtonMail can be legally compelled to log your IP address right. as part of a Swiss criminal investigation. Right. Which so, isn't their doing. They, it's, it's the legal system yeah, in the yeah. country in which they operate. So. so, you know, at that point, they could be providing you an end-to-end -end secured communication, but it's not completely... Oh, man, I really miss C Templar because they were, they were based out of Iceland, right? Mm -hmm. And Iceland, the Iceland government, according to the, the things I read, are very pro-privacy. And they have made legislation in regards to that, and which is why in Iceland they could have C Templar where they can't compel me to give it to you even if I wanted to. I couldn't. You know, so I was like, dang, man, I wish they could. Have I ever showed you the website Iceland wants to be your friend? No. So so uh, this, this sounds like I'm making this up, but I, I'll pull it up here. Iceland wants to be your friend. Um, so the... There were some programmers. They were trying to get people to move to Iceland. Okay. And so they created a funny web page, and the web page is www.icelandwantstobeyourfriend.com. And when you go there, bookmark. It. It's like a letter written from Iceland to you. Okay. Saying, "Hey, I'd love you to come visit and stuff." And I read it, and it's so entertaining. And I'm like, I want to go to Iceland. I was say, did you buy a ticket? I, When's your trip? I, I do want to go to Iceland. I think it'd be really awesome. I heard a we lot. Should, of we should do a conference it. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. We'll bring some economy <laughs> to the Icelandic people, and it could be fun. Could be I uh, I don't speak whatever language it is. I hear they speak it is there, the most difficult language to learn. Is it? Is Icelandic? Yeah. 
Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Hmm. I saw this thing called Brain Man or something. This guy's got like a 220 IQ or something. He's like a savant. And he learned it in an afternoon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. And went on a like a talk show and was able to talk about politics. And he was a freak uh, uh, with his ability to learn and absorb huh. knowledge. But they specifically chose Iceland because they said the Icelandic language is notoriously difficult to get. Crazy. Hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at the website that you mentioned, the Iceland wants to be a friend. It's very cute. They wrote this letter the way that, like, uh, if you see, like, cat memes and stuff now, the way that people caption cat memes, like, that's the way this letter is written. Like, these are my internets for you to click on with your mouse. Like, yeah. that's it reminds me of the cheeseburger yeah. cat yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Hi, Ardune cat. Yeah. It controls the spice. <laughs> exactly. The exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's neat. I, I'd like to go there. I uh, I haven't learned uh, how to speak whatever it is they speak, but I have listened to some Bjork albums. Oh, yeah. So oh, that, then that, you're good. That counts for She's something, a national right? treasure over there, isn't she? There you go. Should be. I <laughs> know, yeah, you're solid. That's that's all you really need. Icelandic um, people are like screaming right now. No! <laughs> what the hell were we talking about when we got on the password manager? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to double back to password manager. How do we get down this rabbit trail? <laughs> I couldn't, like, my mind couldn't even go back. I had to look at the article. You had to pull out a mind map. And then that's connected. So. Personally, I, I would not trust a new password manager that launches. It needs to go through testing, which is exactly what yeah. they're doing, right? I think of it like cars. You know, if if Ford or Toyota releases a brand new yeah. car, you don't buy that the no, first you year. You don't want Gen One, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so that's how I look at this. I don't know how long you'd necessarily have to wait to to determine that uh, that it's viable, but I know when it comes to like encryption algorithms, people wait a decade before they start to leverage it because yeah. it's got to be proven. Um, we'll see on this one. Hmm. I don't think I'll be switching just because I'm I'm happy with what inertia I has set and in. You, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about like oh what you know what do you what what does it take for you to use a password manager or trust one and she's like Daniel had a very solid legitimate well thought out answer and my answer was I didn't use a password manager before I started working here and then when I started working here I was like ah I need to like change all my passwords immediately yeah. and yeah. you know a couple years ago or whatever. And uh, when that whole thing happened with LastPass, I freaked out and jumped off the ship. And um, I talked to Nate, and he told me which one he was using. And I was like, I trust you because you're smart and you know what you're talking about. So I'm also going to – and that was my reasoning. Yeah. For using Nate's it. a big Bitwarden guy, right? Yeah. 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 yeah he, he actually sold me and her on Bitwarden. That's why I went that way as well. I just was like, I trust you, and you know what you're talking about, and you're a smart guy. So You know what sold me on Bitwarden? He said, uh, I had LastPass, and a few years ago I decided to switch to Bitwarden. He goes, and it was so – stupid easy to transfer everything over. I was like, sold. <laughs> uh, that is, the, yes. Yeah. Yes. I uh, I use Bitwarden for work. I use one password for home, um, which I, I like having separate password managers. Yeah. Because I used to have a LastPass for work and a LastPass for home, and there were all sorts of conflict there. Yeah. So. Separation of school and state, right? Separ yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I guess I'll maybe consider switching once this becomes like a like an open you know it's open to everybody and free to everybody. But for now, like you said, it's only available to I think paid lifetime of visionary users. Yeah. And I am yeah. not one of those. Yeah, I don't I don't why. identify as that. No. So that's it's not even an option for me. So I don't even know why I'm I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not I don't even have the choice to do that. Yeah. You just like knowing the things you've been denied in yeah. life. I just, yeah. yeah. I might as well know what's being kept from me. <laughs> But okay, good to know that this is uh, on the horizon, an option you might have soon. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. This next, seg next segment, I was doing my Marge Simpson impression earlier, and it's a decent impression. I can't really do a Homer Simpson impression, but I'm going to try again to do it. Uh, this next segment is called Don't! Better than last. I'm keeping tabs. Dan that was Dan a significant Dan improvement Dan over Daniel last Daniel said week. better than last. I say I've been practicing. I go home every day. No, you hear, I said better than last pass. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> that impression. That's a low bar. Oh, I took it as a compliment. I thought he said I'm I kidding, did. I thought yeah, he said I improved. I did. Oh. I just... I, see, I get uh, compliments so rarely to my face <laughs> from you. It's always like I hear from somebody else like, Daniel said this about something you did. And I'm like, why didn't he tell yeah. me that? <laughs> you got to keep me humble. I understand. Yeah. So this article comes from Ars Technica. It says used routers often come loaded with corporate secrets. So there was a security firm that found more than half of secondhand routers they bought for testing had all this network information and credentials and all kinds of sensitive data. So I, I guess they forgot to wipe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> forgot. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry. When I hear forgot to wipe, it's not like it's <laughs> not got anything to do was, with routers. That was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is like yeah, that'd be like, well, like oh man, I forgot to wipe. <laughs> <laughs> if you got kids. <laughs> Uh, Routers are not the first thing on your mind. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, if, if what you, was on your mind? <laughs> if you've been through a ISO 27001 process or any kind of regulatory compliance, then you know that it's important to have a data disposal process and procedure in place. And that includes destroying equipment you no longer use. If you're selling used computers, you have to have a way to to erase the hard drives and do it securely, right? Like a quick delete it's not good enough. You've got to write zeros to all the sectors, possibly do three to seven passes, like a lot of things to make sure that your data can't be recovered. Well, many companies don't have time for all that. Hmm. Uh, I don't want to buy this is old equipment we're getting rid of. We don't want to pay money to get rid of stuff. And so they leverage recyclers and other organizations out there to dispose of their equipment for them. Well, uh, spoiler alert, some of those companies don't do not do a good job so erasing the equipment. You're telling me that Bob Stupchek's computer crushing service might not be giving me the service I'm paying for? Might not. And in addition to not erasing <laughs> your equipment, they might be turning around and selling it on eBay and not crushing it at all. Bob, you son of a... I will. Uh, I tell I'm you. coming for you. We're, we're besmirching every product named Bob, even... Uh, I got my Microsoft Bob in the yeah. background. Uh, so, Microsoft Bob Stupchick. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so in this case, uh, what some security researchers did, and I forget, was it Mandy? No, it was ESET. Uh, ESET, they, they went on eBay, and they just bought 18 random routers that they found. Uh, Commercial-grade routers, not so like... like Cisco's your, and Juniper's and stuff like that. Yeah, I think they said Cisco, Juniper, Fortinet. Those oh. are the three brands. Um, and Fortinet sucks anyway, right? I was about but, to say, Fortinet has had nothing but <laughs> issues lately. They do not need this PR. Yeah. yeah. So they, they buy these. Well, this one wouldn't not technically their be their fault. Yeah. yeah. So they bought 18, and of the 18, half of them, nine, had corporate data on them. And when I say corporate data, I mean like credentials for connecting to a site-to-site VPN. And that's a big deal because an attacker that gets a hold of this router could potentially bring it up and, and have that VPN tunnel reestablished. Now, there's a lot of things we don't know because they didn't actually test this. So the, the credentials could be terminated on the other side, probably are. Uh, even if they aren't, the VPN tunnel could be defined tied to a particular IP address, which when you buy the router, you don't have that IP. So there's any number of, of ways where this would break down, but it's also just as likely that if it was a NATed address, then it's not tied to an IP. And you could power that router up, and it may very well establish a VPN tunnel right back to their headquarters. So, Don, I've got it under good authority from uh, a sampling of many different people that when I talk to them about privacy, that they have nothing to hide, so who cares? Is that not true? Fact. Yeah, no, 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 that's totally true. Okay, well, Indisputable. That's, so this, this is a non-article then, right? Big deal they found this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the lesson to be learned here is that while there are companies out there that will offer to erase your equipment, uh, Bob Stupchuk, unless you do it yourself, you can't trust that it, that it's going to happen, right? I mean, that's that's right. They, because can you verify that they did what they said they were going to do? Not if they promised they were going to destroy right? it. And if we go by the old adage of never trust, always verify. Well, if I can't verify, then you're off the table as an option. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's gotten to where it, it's just like our computers. Yeah. Our computers are probably running FileVault or BitLocker or Lux or like disk encryption. And so when you erase them to sell it, it's borderline impossible for anybody to get data off of your laptop or desktop when you yeah. get rid of it. But routers, printers, firewalls, access points, they typically aren't encrypted at all. You think we'll see that become a thing where we start having disk encryption or encryption algorithms become a part of the operating systems? It should, but it makes it more complex. It does. And people... But we're, they, we're living in a time where like security is like the big thing. Yeah, that's true. Right? So it's like, poor get off the pot, man. We need this. It's not an option anymore. It's a necessity. Yeah. Yeah. And some vendors are doing better than others, but... It's a it's a weird place because like Palo Alto, yeah, Palo Alto firewalls they do encryption and they can protect themselves and basically like you can't 
you can't buy a used Palo Alto firewall and expect it to work hmm. because they you have to sign up for a, a commercial account. You have to get it. You have to get the serial number transferred over to you. It's all it's these poops. So the the resale market on Palo Alto is basically nothing. Yeah. If you buy one of those firewalls, a company will depreciate that value over time. So they expect it to be worth nothing, and then you destroy it. Um, versus like an individual might buy it thinking, well, I can sell this a few years from now. Oh, not really. <laughs> and and so that's the, the the opposite side of that is you get more security, but you have yeah. no resale value. Do you think like an open source vendor one day will come out with a, like an operating system that will work on old firewall hardware that you could use encryption and have all that? Yeah, that Maybe. I, I mean, mean, honestly, what to, to me, the thing that's going to push that kind of stuff into reality is customer like mandates like we require this you yeah. better start doing this or we're not going to buy your products anymore now obviously people like cisco kind of have us under or you know over a barrel or however it is because they make the things that we use yeah and it's hard to move and this is why we don't like huge giant conglomerate companies being the one-stop shop where we kind of go for everything we do because then we're stuck with them it's a it's it becomes this marriage of that you you can't divorce from Right, I I have to get Cisco stuff because Cisco's the only one that makes the thing I can that does what I need it to do. Yeah, we, or, or or maybe other people make it, but Cisco is the ecosystem that right. you've chosen. We need competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is nice in in the few cases I've had this where I worked in a place where you had Cisco switches, Cisco routers, Cisco access points, Cisco firewalls. Yeah, complete it, it ecosystem. All work together, and from a security standpoint, you can monitor it all, aggregate the logs together, and it really was nice to have that. Yeah, but it does lock you in, and you start looking at these other people. Like you look at Juniper and, and see some feature they have, but uh, if we bring in a Juniper firewall, it breaks the whole ecosystem. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the flip side. Yeah, I hate okay. that. <laughs> I love hearing you guys talk about this stuff just because it you guys have been around the block and you you know a lot more about this stuff than I do. And so it's interesting to hear you guys' perspectives on this this kind of a thing. Because I read this and I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And the more you guys talked about it and you're like, well, I mean, if you trust somebody else to wipe your stuff, it's probably, you know, you just wipe yourself. If, if you're going to wipe it yourself. <laughs> Not <laughs> helping. You're going, <laughs> if you're going, if you need stuff wiped off a device, it's better to just, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, I'm, the, I'm the fanciest boy king in Babylon. Wipe me. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I try so hard and I, I, know, just, I still can't get it right. I'm going to start, I, I'm going to start a, a, uh, a hardware Wiper destruction service. company <laughs> and I'm going to call it like, uh, uh, I don't know, the hardware bidet. (laughs) (laughs) Pristine cleanliness from Don's service. I'll wipe it myself. (laughs) You listeners out there, don't register that domain. That one's mine. Stay stay off the GoDaddy. (laughs) That's the moral of the story of that article. Wipe it yourself. Great. So glad that's where we ended up on that one. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Uh, Sometimes we will uh, cover something here on Technado. And a few weeks later, or months later, or days later, or whatever, it comes back to haunt us. We, we get to cover it again. Uh, and that's what this segment's all about. Deja News. Deja News. So this article comes from the Hacker News. It says, uh, I guess that would be North Korea hackers, employ Matryoshka doll-style cascading supply chain attack on uh, 3CX, which is a long title. So, sorry, took me a second. <laughs> took me a second to process it. I'm still on the wiping thing, so just give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I know that uh, you guys had talked a few weeks ago, not here, but just in general, I'd heard talk around, around the office about the supply chain attack. Why are they calling this a, Matry- a Matryoshka doll-style attack? Alright, so we reported on the 3CX breach a week or two ago. I, I don't remember anymore because it all blends together. But uh, about how attackers got into the 3CX environment, they did a supply chain breach, right? So they they modified the packages for the 3CX VoIP soft phone, and then people would install that soft phone and get infected, right? Well, it turns out that 3CX got infected because of another supply chain breach at an entirely different website, that there is a uh, stockbroker, financial trader, whatever it is, the place you go to sell uh, stocks and bonds and things. And Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> Yeah, where you go to sell your organs and things. Uh, there was a company called Trading Technologies. Uh, I shouldn't say was. They still exist. So there is a company called Trading Technologies. 
And they had a software package called XTrader that would let you go on and manage your own stock trades. Well, <clears throat> apparently they, they no longer distribute that software. And so uh, attackers had created a malicious version of XTrader <clears throat> and a 3CX employee had downloaded that. So they installed compromised software that allowed the attackers into the 3CX employees machine. And from there, they were able to compromise the 3CX software. So that's where the, the Matryoshka doll kind of story comes in, right? Yes. Because it's layers of, of on layers. Yeah. And, and I wonder how far back it goes, right? right? Maybe maybe this uh, trading technologies place was breached by yet another one right. and just goes back and back. Yeah. It's, it's actually really complex and sophisticated attacks that these North Korean hackers uh, uh, kind of pulled off here. I you know, I read through the article and I was looking at all the different things that they did leading up to this. So we have the the fintech software, the the trading software, right? And then they're using all these different uh, types of uh, types of attacks like DLL reflections, right? They're using uh, these open source tools, Sigflip and Dave Shell. So I was like, okay, what is Sigflip and Dave Shell? And this is to extract and execute the veiled signal uh, backdoor, right? There was, uh, there was just so many different layers to what they were doing. It was extremely complex. So I looked into Sigflip, and I, I thought these were interesting things to talk about. Uh, so Sigflip is a tool for patching authenticated signed PE files, like EXEs, DLLs, this is, and, and so on and so forth, in a way that doesn't affect or break the existing authenticode signature. In other words, you can change a PE file, checksum, and hash by embedding data like shellcode without breaking the file signature. That's scary That's as problem. hell. Yeah. That's a real <laughs> issue, right? And then you have the Dave Shell, or as they put it in here, the SRDI, or Shellcode Reflective DLL Injection Tool, allows for the conversion of DLL files to position-independent shellcode. Attempts to be fully functional PE loader supporting. So basically, this is how they create their own shellcode. They use the SigFlip capabilities to not break the signed PE to create their own PE with their own shellcode. Like this is this is super complex capabilities that these people did. So you gotta you gotta kind of go. I mean, you guys are total d bags, but dang. You know, so it, it, it makes me wonder, and I'm going to get off the tech. We've been off the technology yeah. chain quite a bit this episode. We do but, tech uh, here. Um, let's talk about <laughs> propaganda for a minute, right? Uh, every country has propaganda, yeah. right? Uh, here in the U.S., we, like in school, we, have to, we say the Pledge of Allegiance every single, like you swear yeah. allegiance to the country every single day. So we, we all have propaganda. That, they that's still do thing. that? Um, they still do? I don't know. I'm Pledge asking. Do they still do the Pledge of Allegiance? Okay. so. Um, but, you know, what we hear about North Korea here in the U.S. media is that, like, they're all starving, they're living in wicker huts, and, you know, it's just like going back in time, being over there. But then you hear about what's got to be one of the most significant, or uh, one of the most, uh, I don't know, just complex. Yeah, definitely uh, complex. Uh, just a high level of technical skill the and orchestration expertise. behind all this, just to get all this to work. And so it, it makes you wonder, like... So, from what I understand about North Korea and their policy on how this works and why they have such amazing hackers and capabilities mm -hmm. is because they tap you from childhood when anybody shows any kind of, like, proclivity or uh, being adept at working with computers, math, science. They just take you from your family and they stick you in a school that all you do is hack. Hmm. Oh, they just teach you to hack? And that's all you do. You don't do anything else. You don't watch, you know, and you kind of get to live in a life of luxury and stuff because of that. Whereas all the money, so North Korea, I learned this from a, uh, a lady that is the um, CIO or CISO for large financial organizations. And she used to be for the NSA. And she talked about how the NSA hackers and what they were doing and how one of their big adversaries was North Korea. And that the North Korean government basically makes most of their money off of stealing, hacking money from banks. So, And the way that they are successful at that is that they take them from childhood and they teach them nothing mm. but computer systems. And that is their life. So it's like the East German Olympic athletes back in right. the 1980s? Yes, yes. All right. Or uh, Drago in, uh, yes, in Rocky uh, IV. Rocky IV, exactly. Yeah. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> His life is to become the greatest 
fighter of all time. So, Sophie, um, yeah. I, I think Rocky Four, honestly, if you're an American, is uh, a must-watch. Required, required. Uh, yeah, like Red yeah, Dawn. Yes. I mean, you, these, are, these are things you have to watch. Wolverines. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know that it was ever actually proven, but there were tons of allegations in the 1980s that the, the East German athletes were... Uh, not genetically modified, but certainly doped up on oh, any yeah. number of no, things, like no steroids and all steroids, that. And, yeah. and they were, I mean, tanks. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was the women. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if I'm not mistaken, like, they had, like, mustaches and beards and stuff because they were taking so many hormones. That was why they had to start doing the XXY testing. Yeah. Wait, XY? X, X, we have... There was something weird. We have Ys, yeah. It was Men like have a, Ys. A yeah. Men have three chromosome yeah. test that they still do to this day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but... So in the case of North Korea, so it is, it is very possible that the bulk of the population is living in yeah, abject poverty. I, I've listened to people that have escaped from North Korea and their stories of like what that was like and mm-hmm. the horrors that they had to go through and like what it was like to live in North Korea and how. And they so the the last person I was listening to said that they lived in a village and they would get electricity like once a week. Right. So one day a week you get electricity or they would let you have it for like a whole month and then nobody else would have it anywhere else. Mm. Right. She said, now there's a lot of trading that was done uh, from China. So, because they're, you know, basically across a river to China. And these traders would come and they would bring things that were contraband in North Korea, like DVDs from America. And that was, that was like the prized thing was to get a DVD from America. You'd watch a DVD movie, you know, movie from America. And what the government would do is they would give you electricity and would be like, cool, now I can stick this DVD and I can watch my DVD. And then they would cut the electricity while your DVD was in. And then they would come in and they would say, turn the electricity onto this house. And they would hit the eject and see if there was any uh, contraband. Crazy. At it, you got to go to re-education or worse, depending on you know what they. Oh, what the movie to do. was. Yeah. If yeah. it was Bridges yeah. of Madison County, if it was, it was if it was Red Dawn, <laughs> no one ever saw you again. If it was Bridges of Madison County, <laughs> Dear Leader got his hands on that. <laughs> and apparently, that's what they have to call him is Dear Leader. Dear Leader. Yeah. Huh. It's like Mommy Dearest. Yeah. Sounds like a cult. Yeah. It's it's. A, well, you know, I, I will say one thing. In today's world, when a company gets hacked, yeah, one of the first things they do is they do a press release and they say, you know, we were the victim of a very sophisticated attack. Meanwhile, you know, one of their employees clicked on a phishing link yeah, and that's yeah, it, right? It wasn't was sophisticated yeah. at all. In this case, it looks like 3CX was the victim of something that was truly sophisticated. So as we learn more details on it, it it's pretty impressive. Definitely say take some time to check out. Uh, this was on thehackernews.com, and they have a good breakdown of all the different stuff that was involved uh, in this attack. It's it's impressive. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Take the time. This is definitely worth the reads because uh, you'll learn a lot about how companies get hacked, and especially when it's of high sophistication as what we're seeing here. Yep. Would you call this an APT? Oh, they're definitely APT. It's Lazarus Group, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's absolutely an APT, yeah. Okay. I love being able to use the vocab words that yeah. I learn in the courses that we do. It makes me feel like I'm learning something. Well, I mean, it, it does show you that it's not just fluff knowledge. Yeah, you're no, picking yeah, it absolutely. up and it's applicable. Absolutely. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, I'm like, what is, would, this be, would this be considered an APT? Yeah. Daniel's like, absolutely not. No. Yeah. So it's <laughs> nice to so get wrong. Why, why you embarrassed me? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just means you're a good teacher. That's all. Yeah. You just, you just, uh, it's what is it? Tough love, right? Yeah. You, you right. gotta, Trial you gotta fire. keep my ego small. That's all. It's one day when you're, you know, take my job. (laughs) (laughs) 30 years from now, you know, eventually when you retire a long time from now. So before we wrap up, I know that's that's our last article, but before we wrap up, I did want to mention Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. So if you're listening from the Technado website, look for that sponsored by button. And if you click on that, it'll take you to the IT Pro website. So if you want to support the podcast, you can check out those courses. That's what we do in our day job. And I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I'm a little biased, but you can check it out. Uh, and you can use the promo code TECHNATO30 for a discount on an IT Pro membership. You can also check out ACI Learning's webinars and live on social events. Those live on their YouTube channel, uh, as well as I believe they're on LinkedIn and things, uh, and they've got a webpage for it as well. So if you miss it when it happens live, you can always go back and watch it later. And of course, you mentioned earlier, uh, Wes and a couple of the other folks are out at RSA this week. Um, so I'm sure we'll hear more about that next week and maybe even get him in here to talk about it a little bit. I don't want to make any promises, but Potentially, maybe. Here Are you trying to get out of the show? Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a thing today. Yeah. It'd be really nice I if I could just head... stuff I gotta do. I just head out early. <laughs> I look like I have a life, you know. Yeah. But uh, that'll be interesting to hear about next week. As far as I know from what I've heard so far this week, he's having a great time meeting everybody, um, getting to... I heard see. he met Bruce Schneier. He did. Yeah. He did meet Bruce Schneier. That's he was very excited. Heroes, he he yeah. keeps sending pictures of, like, look at these people I met. Yeah. 
He loves some Bruce Schneider, buddy. Right. You could tell in that picture, his yeah. smile was like half of his face. Yeah. It, was, it was neat to see. So it's, You know, the fear in Bruce Schneider's eyes was real. <laughs> you could tell. <laughs> they balanced each other out in yeah. that picture. I don't know why he was in the bottom of that well. <laughs> <laughs> so as of now, that's all. We only have photo evidence that they're having yeah. a great time out there. Maybe we'll be able to hear more about it next week. So that's pretty much all I've got. Is there anything else that I'm forgetting? Somebody should probably check and see if Bruce Schneier's checked in. (laughs) (laughs) Has he tagged himself safe? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take that as a no. So thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Technado. We'll see you next time. 